Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. During the last few weeks, Crazy Love was honored to welcome Andy Bird of YWAM Kona. In this week's episode, Andy discusses the current state of evangelism and the Great Commission in the 21st century. He explains a few of the challenges he's seen as well as the opportunities facing today's church. Andy has been with YWAM for over 15 years, traveling to numerous countries with a heart to ignite this generation and the future to go nation to nation, fulfilling the Great Commission. So I hope you are encouraged with today's message. Let's jump right in. I want to give you guys a little bit of a state of the Great Commission, like it's kind of a state of the union on what's happening at a Great Commission level across the world right now. And to me, this pertains to what we're doing here in East Palo Alto and in the U.S. as well. But um, I want to talk about it specifically in terms of how Gen Z relates to the Great Commission. And I want to give you a picture of some of the statistics, some of the realities around the world right now. How many of you guys are like 24 and under? I'm just curious. 24 and under, raise your hand. Okay. So <laughs> some of you guys 25, it's okay, you make the cut. And uh, some of you guys are on the line. I think Leah said she's kind of on the line with great the Gen Z and the and Gen X, or uh, sorry, millennials. But the majority of the room, especially the track, you guys are young millennials and Gen Z. And the lines are blurry. I mean, they just kind of make them up. But um, most of you are going to fall into this category that I want to talk about how your generation relates to the Great Commission. I want to give you some really good news about what's happening on a global level. I want to talk to you about the real opportunity that's in front of us. And then I want to, in a sense, give you some of the bad news, which really is just the urgency of the need and maybe some of the gaps around the Great Commission right now. But let's start with the good news because it's always fun to start with the good news. You guys ready for some good news? Okay. Good news number one, and some of this you guys will have heard, but I want to go a little bit deeper into it, is today the fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. And uh, that's that's good news for a lot of reasons, is if you said that 20 years ago, I would think most missiologists would say you're crazy and that's impossible. And yet today, the fastest growing disciple-making movements in the world are in the nation of Iran. They would say second to Iran is most likely Afghanistan. And um, this, this is crazy. You know, how all of this will affect that is yet to be seen. You know, persecution does often tend to, to cause the um, underground church to grow, uh, at least in commitment. doesn't always grow numerically right away, but it often grows numerically later because of the growth of commitment in the midst of persecution. And so Afghanistan would be second, uh, most likely, and then, you know, somewhere around those as well would be the Himalayan region. Bhutan, Nepal, and North India would be some of the other fastest growing areas in the world. And that is remarkable, because again, 20, 30 years ago, these were regions that were untouched by the gospel. In fact, Afghanistan has never had a move of God in its history. It's never had a people movement, an actual growth of the church in Afghanistan has never happened in its history. So this is so significant to the hour that we're in right now. Now, this was a fun statistic in 2000. It was in 2018 that uh, as a number of leaders in the the church in Indonesia came together and began to compare many of the people movements in that area, they came up with this, that uh, roughly they estimated that every 20 seconds an Indonesian Muslim was turning to Jesus. Every 20 seconds, which means, you know, from the time we started this morning, 
that a couple, you know, a couple dozen Indonesians have turned to Jesus that were that were Muslim before, but to, today or now are believers. Now it's 2018. I don't know how that is today, but even uh, if it's slowed down a little bit, this is still a remarkable move of God. Uh, this you guys know as well. But for the first time in history, you are the first generation in history to wake up with Bible-believing Christians in every single geopolitical nation on earth. So every nation on earth, for the first time in human history, has Bible-believing, sincere Christians. Now, that you, you go back, rewind the tape 40 years ago, and that wasn't true. So you got, you know, many of you guys are born, let's say, 20 years ago-ish, right? 25 years ago. You are the first generation in human history to wake up in the morning to authentic, sold-out, Bible-believing Christians in every nation on earth. And now you may still hear people um, in missions conferences motivating people with unreached nations. And we should. And I will talk to some about that in a moment. But they may say things like, there are no known believers in the Maldives. But the problem is they haven't talked to Lauren yet. <laughs> and because Lauren's been to every nation on earth, Lauren will, in typical Lauren fashion, he will say something like, well, I was there in July of 1982. And I met with 10 underground churches in the Maldives, and they're doing just fine, you know? And you're like, oh, okay. And then the other, there are a couple hot nations that people throw out. The other one is Libya. They'll say there are no known believers in Libya. And then Lauren will be like, well, it was in 1993. I snuck into Libya in the trunk of a car. <laughs> we led 10 Libyans to Jesus ourselves and connected them with other Libyan believers, you know? And you're like, okay. And you just, the man's literally been to every nation. But today, all missiologists would agree for the first time in history that there are believers in every single nation on earth. But you have to realize at that moment you are finding yourself written into the pages of scripture. You're literally finding yourself in prophecies that for thousands of years, generations have woken up asking, are we the generation? And in reality, we are the first generation that will see many of these biblical promises and prophecies fulfilled, which is astounding. This is the hour that we live in, which, of course, is not yet speaking about every people group, but we'll get there. This is phenomenal. You know, Islam started 1,400 years ago, Muhammad in 600 AD. In the last 20 years, since the year 2000, so from 2000 to 2020, more Muslims have turned to Jesus than in 1,400 years of combined Muslim history. So take the entire history of Islam from 600 to 2000, and then take 2000 to 2020. And more Muslims have turned to Jesus in the last 20 years than in 1,400 years of combined Islamic history. That's the hour that we're in right now. That's our day. That's when we're alive. And if you ask many leaders in the Muslim world, there are many reasons behind that. You hear lots of stories of the increase of miraculous healing, you hear about dreams, but one of the primary factors that almost everybody agrees on is that one of the greatest catalysts to the salvation and disciple-making movement in the Muslim world was the rise of extreme Islam. It was things like ISIS, that when ISIS rose up, millions, and that's not an exaggeration, millions of Muslims said, if this is Islam, we want nothing to do with it. And the extreme, the extremities, this extreme expression of Islam across the world that we've seen rise up in the last 20 years has been one of the greatest catalysts to salvation in this region of the world. I'm believing the same.
for the, the rise of the Taliban in Afghanistan again. That their leadership over the nation is going to be a catalyst to even more followers of Jesus in Afghanistan than was happening before the Taliban were in control. And this has become one of the great catalysts to it. Now, when we talk about the opportunity that's in front of us, you guys are familiar with two terms that kind of used in the missions world. One is unreached, one is unengaged, okay? Unreached are those that are less than 2% Christian and they lack the sufficient resources to grow on their own. So you might have a people group in India that's classified as unreached. Well, there might be thousands of Christians, but the population is millions, and those Christians are not necessarily growing in, in number. They, they're too small, and they're under-resourced. So they're maintaining, they're sustaining, but that population is remaining even, and, and uh, it's less than 2%, and that's considered an unreached people group. When it crosses the 2%, uh, uh, population, it becomes a reached people group, and usually when it crosses the 2%, it's such a massive population that the indigenous church grows on its own. Okay? So that's unreached reach. The other classification is unengaged. Unengaged are the people groups on the earth that literally there's not a single known believer, not a single known church, and not even a single known missionary trying to reach them. So they are literally unengaged which is tragic after 2,000 years of gospel history. Unengaged, right? So in the year 2000, a whole bunch of missions organizations and church planning movements came together to map out the last remaining unengaged people groups on the earth. It's called Finishing the Task. And they found in 2000 that there were still 3,158 unengaged people groups on the earth. Not a single missionary, not a single believer, not a single church. No one's even trying to reach them. 3,158. And I'm so grateful for that generation of leaders. These would be most of those leaders have been in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. And they basically took a stand and they said, This is unacceptable. This is absolutely unacceptable that there are thousands of churches in America, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. There are thousands of churches across Europe. There's growing churches across Africa and Asia, South America, and still there are 3,158 unengaged people groups on the earth. And they essentially said, we will not die until this statistic is done. Like, they just go, we're putting our foot down. This is outrageous. This is unacceptable. So they began to move in unprecedented unity, collaboration, and adopting of these people until they were engaged. So in other words, a group would say, hey, we're gonna take that group in the Balkans, or these five in the Balkans, and uh, we're gonna train up our own missionaries and we're gonna send them, and we're gonna send them until they're the first converts, the first people starting to follow Jesus. We're gonna work on the translation of the Bible, everything we need to do until that people group is in, engaged. So since the year 2000, there were 3,158. Today, and this is a report is about three weeks old, Today, there are 144 left. 144. So in 20 years, from 3,158 to 144 remaining unengaged people groups in the whole world. Now, the amazing thing is all 144 of them are spoken for now. All 144. So you might have a group like Pioneers or Frontiers and they've each adopted 20. They're training missionaries right now. They know where they are, what language they speak, and they're on the way. So all 144 are adopted, though not yet engaged. 144 remain unengaged. But from 3,158 21 years ago to 144 today adopted, every one of them easily in the next three years, 
Every remaining unengaged people group on the earth will be engaged with the gospel for the first time in human history. Now, this is more significant than we even realize right now. This means in Matthew chapter 24, wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, persecution, you know, difficulty. This is super depressing. Jesus is talking about the last days. And then the very last verse, and this gospel of the kingdom shall go to all peoples, which is ethnos. It's language groups. It's, it's these people groups right here. And then the end shall come. You have to realize in the next three years, this scripture will be fulfilled. Wow. The first time in human history, wow. in the next three years, there will come a real day, a real moment, a real hour, and a real minute where the last language on earth worships Jesus. The last language. There will be a real minute in a real day where the last language on the planet sings to Jesus and confesses that there is a God in heaven and that his son is Jesus. There will be a real moment. And that real moment is in the next five to ten years maximum. Maximum. That real moment. So when we talk about biblical precedent, when we talk about literally you're reading the Bible and then you're like, dang it, that's us. Like, we're the first generation in human history that will find ourselves living in the fulfillment of that passage. I'm not saying Jesus is going to return in the next five to ten years. I'm just saying the gospel of the kingdom will have been preached for the first time in human history in every single language group on the earth in the next five to ten years. That's the hour that we live in right now. Outrageous. You guys have heard some of this, of course, from Lauren, if you've been around Kona at all, that, uh, that by 2025 we'll begin the translation of the final language on earth to have the scriptures. And by the year 2033, they estimate that every language on earth will have the New Testament. So we're looking at not only the gospel, the proclaiming of the gospel, engaging the last remaining unengaged people groups, but we're also talking about every single language on earth actually having the gospel in their heart language by the year 2033. How many of you plan to be alive by 2033? Yeah. A lot of you. Who knows? But most of us, right? The reality is that we will be crossing the most historic finish lines in history in regards to the Great Commission in the next 10 to 12 years. It's right in front of us. And somehow we get to be the ones that are alive in this hour. It's absolutely unprecedented. Now, let me connect that to Gen Z and some of the opportunity that's in front of us right now. Barna recently just did a massive poll in the Church of America survey uh, together with the IMB, the International Mission Board of the, of the Baptist Church, asking the question, how does Gen Z view the Great Commission? And there was both discouraging reports in there and remarkably encouraging reports. This was possibly the most encouraging thing, is that they found that 52% of Gen Z would consider missions for their future. 52%. That has to be the most missions-minded generation in human history. That 52% of young Christians that were polled in this survey said that they would consider missions for their future vocation. 52%. Over half the generation. How is that? Statistically in America... It said that less than around 3% of Americans will ever lead someone to Jesus in their lifetime. 
of Christians in America will ever lead someone to Jesus, and they say that maybe 20 to 30% might share the gospel in their lifetime of Christians in America. The most recent statistics says that 80% of Gen Z shared their faith in the last year. 80%. 80% of Gen Z shared their faith in the last year. I think we have the most missional, evangelistic generation in human history in front of us right now. Now, of that statistic, this blew my mind. When they did that poll and then they broke it out according to ethnicity and said, well, what ethnicity is most responsive to the Great Commission? The lowest of the ethnicities that were tested, or at least that they did a subcategory on, was at 48%, which is still remarkably high, and that was Caucasians. 40% of Caucasian Gen Z said we would consider the Great Commission or missions for our future. 54% of Hispanics said that they would consider future missions for our future. And 61% of African Americans said that they would consider missions for our future. How is this happening? Guys, we're heading in the most multicultural missions movement in all of human history. If America's going to have another great missions movement, it must be multicultural or it's not American. Because we are a multicultural nation. We are a tapestry of beautiful diversity, right? And this next great missions movement, as we can see even statistically, is, is going to be led by a multicultural expression of missionaries willing to go all over the world. Okay, that's the good news. That's the opportunity. I've got to hit you with a little bit of bad news, okay? So just prepare yourself. Here we go. But that's okay. We're going to meet it with great faith. Here's the reality. 154,000 people die every single day without faith. 154,000 people die every single day without faith in Jesus. That's got to produce a little bit of urgency in our hearts. That though the, 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 we have pushed this further than it's ever gone, we're going to see the Great Commission go to extents it's never gone to before, is that we must carry a sense of urgency and faith for the hour that we live in because the challenge is massive. Now, when you talk about unreached people groups, remember we talk about unengaged, unreached or less than 2% Christian, that number is still 7,000 unreached people groups across the earth today. They make up a population of 3.2 billion people. They estimate that easily 2 to 2.5 billion have never one time heard the name of Jesus before. Never once. Can you imagine this is not just about, you know, talking someone into, you know, choosing Jesus over Buddhism. They've never heard the name of Jesus. This isn't people that, that have stepped away from the church because they felt there was hypocrisy. They've never heard of a church. This is not those that are like Christians. Yeah, I kind of heard it, but I don't get it. They've never heard of a Christian. That 2 to 2.5 billion people on the earth, they don't even know he's coming. They, he's come once, much less that he's coming again. Right? They've never heard the name of Jesus. So in terms of need, 3.2 billion people still make up those unreached people groups. Now, of the entire missions force globally, there are 420,000 global missionaries right now that have left their nation for another nation. And only 3% of them are working among the 3.2 billion people on the earth right now. That makes up 12,000 missionaries working to reach 3.2 billion people. 12,000. The statistic today is there's one missionary for every 405,000 Muslims on the earth. One missionary trying to reach 405,000 Muslims in the world right now. Continuing on with this, and you guys won't be able to see this, but this, this thing, um, 
See if I can make it a little bit bigger. This thing haunts me. I don't know how to make it bigger. Well, I made it smaller. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, it's this map that I now am messing up and making smaller, making bigger. Enter full screen. Will that work? No. <laughs> This map of the world, you kind of see it. It's going to look like a, not like a map at all. And I, because my, my screen's too small and it's too small on my screen. But this, this map, well, I know all of you guys have probably prayed this at different times. And, and it's a common prayer for me is, Lord, help me to see the world like you see it. What do you see when you look out at the world? Help me to have the heart that you have, the mind that you have. Like knit me to your emotions for the earth. And this map, the size of the nation is based on how unreached the nation is. And uh, when I think about how God sees the world, I often think he sees through this lens because remember, he came to seek and save the lost. He wasn't content to just hang out with the healthy. He wanted to find the sick. And when he looks at the world and he sees the world, I think he views it through the lens that he came to seek and save the lost, that he, that, uh, that he left the 99 for the one, that he's the one who seeks out the prodigal, that he flips over the furniture for the one lost coin. That's who Jesus is. And this map reflects that. I often pray through this map as I'm looking at the world, going, God, help me see the world as you see it. Help me see the unreached, the forgotten, the invisible, because those are the ones that you came to reach. And uh, you realize that uh, on a map like this, you know, places like South America and Europe and North America, there are little slivers on the map. You can barely see them, whereas India is like this massive blob, almost the size of the rest of the map put together because of how unreached India is as well. Bangladesh and other places in, in, uh, in Asia, uh, places in North Africa, they're massive. Central Asia because of how unreached they are. And I often think that this is a little bit of how God sees the world. Now, a couple more. We're almost done here. A little bit more bad news, and then we'll end with really, really good news. Is that Christian income today is $42 trillion. Christian giving is $700 billion today. 96% of the $700 billion goes to pay church staff and pastors. So 96% of $700 billion is going to fuel the structure of church today, the modern structure of church. And I'm not saying that church pastors and staff shouldn't be paid. I'm not making a statement on that right now. I'm just saying that's the reality, okay? 96% though. 3% of all Christian giving goes to local missions. So that might be a church that's in Cincinnati and 3% of their giving is going to reach Cincinnati, right? Which leaves 1% of all Christian giving today goes to reach the 3.2 billion people that are still waiting for the gospel. 96% is paying church staff and pastors. 1% is set aside right now to reach the least reached people in the world, which make up 3.2 billion people. Over 100 times the amount of finances is embezzled by pastors in America every year than is given to reach the unreached across the world. A hundred times more money is embezzled than is given to reach the unreached. And this was by far the most depressing statistic I read is that last year America spent more money on Halloween costumes for their pets than they did on reaching the unreached of the 3.2 billion people on the earth. This is the reality, okay? Now, when, the, when this poll was done of Christians in America today, about that I told you about with Barna, one of the questions was, have you ever heard of the Great Commission? 
51% of American Christians, this was all ages, said that they had never heard of the Great Commission. 51%. 51% of church-going Christians said they've never heard of the Great Commission. And part of that, 6% said they weren't sure, which means they didn't know either, okay? So really that is 57%. hilarious. I don't know. Well, just say no then if you don't know. 25% said, it, I, I've heard of it, but I don't know what it means. It rings a bell. 25% said, sounds familiar, but I don't know what it means. Do you know what was left? 17% of church-going Christians today said that they knew what the Great Commission was and where it was found in Scripture. Matthew 28, Mark 16, Acts chapter 1. 17%. And you have to ask yourself, if we're not talking about the Great Commission in church, what are we talking about? If it's not somehow making the rotation, like at least once a year, what are we talking about? If Jesus' final command to the church, showing up in three prominent places, and not to mention the entire focus of redemptive history, from Genesis to Revelation, was Missio Dei, a God on mission to reach his people, and then outlined and restated through the direct commands of Jesus to preach the gospel to all creation, to make disciples of all nations, and to do it from Jerusalem to the uttermost parts of the earth. And only 17% of churchgoers today know what that message is. Lastly, the good news. Take all of this, put it together, and we'll take a break. How incredible that we have the most missional evangelistic potential in a generation in history right now. Over 50% of Gen Z going, I would consider missions for my future. We have 3.2 billion people on the earth largely still waiting for the gospel. And so that this feels very at home for us, we have huge swaths of America that are rapidly becoming less and less churched, right? So if you were to take the same line of thinking, then you're in the right place in America right now. Okay, so you have places like the Bay Area, you have places like Portland, like Seattle, you have the Northeast of America that, 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 that with barely any picture of Christianity whatsoever any longer. And, and you have this whole generation that's rising up, 3.2 billion that are going, 51% are like, hey, I would do missions for my future. Even higher among Latinos and higher among African Americans going, I would do this. 80% of them have shared their faith in the last year. Unbelievable. And at the same time, you have $700 billion of giving in the church that right now is unfortunately just wrongly stewarded. If you were to put these things together, the most missional evangelistic generation maybe we've ever seen, a reprioritization of our resources is that experts today say that we have 3,000 times the finances and 9,000 times the people to complete the generation, the Great Commission in this generation. Come on. 3,000 times the finances and 9,000 times the people to complete the, the Great Commission in this generation. And we have the, perhaps the most missions-minded generation in human history. 
So you put all that together and go, yeah, there's some bad news. We need some culture shift. We need the Great Commission to enter back into the center of the conversation of global Christianity, right? We need to stop talking about the color of our carpet and get back to reaching the lost, right? We need to, we need to move away from all the divisive topics that we're not going to solve and haven't solved for 2,000 years. And we need to get back to the commands of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus, right? We need a reprioritization. We need a spiritual awakening in the Church of America, in church globally. We need a, a, a the Great Commission to come back into every boardroom, every staff meeting, every leadership meeting, and every family dinner table needs the Great Commission back in the center of the conversation. But friends, you've got to know that as that happens, it's landing on the most fertile soil that we have ever seen. Of a whole generation of 17, 18-year-olds like my son and like Zeke and like Ellie and like you guys in this room that are like, I'd go anywhere for the gospel. Portland, sign me up. Nigeria, let's go tomorrow. Like Afghanistan, how soon can I get there? Right? Like what, Seattle, never been there. I could be a Hawks fan, let's go. Yeah, like a whole generation that's like, I would go for the sake of the gospel. The need is massive. We're on the verge of what I believe is a true spiritual awakening and God putting the Great Commission into the center of the conversation and it's landing on the most fertile soil in human history. All that to say, what are we on the verge of? The last 144 remaining unengaged people groups in the next three to five years will be engaged for the first time in human history. By 2033, every language on earth will have the New Testament in their heart language. And you guys sitting in these chairs, you are, in many ways, these last days, pioneer leaders that God is raising up along with many others across the earth today that have ears to hear and have eyes to see that we are heading into the greatest harvest in all of human history. And the time is now. It's right now. In many ways, we've got to face the overwhelming difficulty of our realities to even find real faith. It's not real faith if it's not facing an impossible situation. It's idealism. It's wishful thinking. It's easy to have faith in a vacuum, right? It's easy to have faith and everything looks wonderful. No, you've got to stare these statistics in the face to find the faith that overcomes the statistics. You've got to stare the reality in the face just the same way that the faith to overcome Goliath came when David looked at Goliath. When he saw him, he had faith to overcome him because his God was bigger than Goliath. We've got to look at these realities, not be daunted by them, not moving to unbelief, but find a faith bigger than our realities. And friends, this is why we're in East Palo Alto right now. This is why we believe God's doing something in the soil of this land right now. This is why we've dedicated ourselves to both reaching America and reaching the nations of the earth, right? This is why we have given ourselves to the season of training, of contending, of breakthrough, because we believe we live in the most remarkable hour in all of human history. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. We will see you next time with a new episode, but until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org. Thanks.